And today we're going to continue our series called Wisdom and Folly. It's all about uh, Solomon, King Solomon, and his life and reign. And, you know, so far we've seen that Solomon, the wisest thing he ever did was ask God for wisdom. Right? I mean, that, 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 that was it. And God responded with pleasure, granting him wisdom. But as we saw, he also blessed him because of that wise choice by granting him wealth and honor. We've seen in the last few weeks that uh, you know, God's, Solomon's wisdom uh, came out in a lot of different ways. We can see it, right? We saw it in administrative matters as he uh, provided justice uh, in, in, in situations. And then we've also seen it in his wisdom uh, in the way he has managed his organization last week, just the way he structured things. So today, we're going to see another aspect of his wisdom, uh, and it's one that I think is awfully important, although one we might not think of so often, uh, and that's wisdom in wise planning. W wisdom in our planning. So uh, before we get started today, let's, uh, we're going to read today's scripture. I have a question with you, a question for you, okay? And it's, what is the most difficult thing about getting, you know, negotiating with people, getting other people to agree with you. What's the most difficult thing about getting people to agree with you? What does anybody think? Praying, well certainly praying will help with getting people to agree with you, but why is that hard to get agreement? Yeah, everyone, the, the other person feels differently than you do, right? Whatever the issue is, other people are thinking about th themselves and what's good for them, okay? And so we're going to see a little how this plays into today and how wisdom and planning helps bring people together when we do it wisely. So uh, let's look at today's passage of Scripture. It's found in 1 Kings Chapter 5. We're going to read all of 1 Kings chapter 5. It'll be on the screen. You can open it and follow along in your Bibles. Um, starting in verse 1. When Hiram, king of Tyre, heard that Solomon had been appointed king uh, to succeed his father David, he sent his envoys to Solomon. Because he had always been on friendly terms with David, Solomon sent back this message to Hiram. You know that because of the wars waged against my father, David, from all sides, he could not build a temple for the name of the Lord his God until God put his enemies under his feet. But now, the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is no adversary or disaster. I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord told my father, David, when he said, Your son whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. So give orders that the cedars of Lebanon be cut for me. My men will work with yours. I will pay you for your men whatever wages you set. You know that we have no one so skilled in felling timbers as the Sidonians. When Hiram heard Solomon's message, he was greatly pleased, and he said, Praised, Praise be to the Lord today, for he has given David a wise son, to rule over this great nation. So Hiram sent word to Solomon, I have received the message you sent me and will do all you want in providing the cedar and juniper logs. My men will haul them down from Lebanon to the Mediterranean Sea, and I will float them as rafts by sea to the place you specify. 
There I will separate them and you can take them away. And you are to grant my wish by providing food for my royal household. In this way, Hiram kept Solomon supplied with all the cedar and juniper logs he wanted. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household, in addition to 20,000 baths of pressed olive oil. Solomon continued to do this for Hiram year after year. The Lord gave Solomon wisdom, just as he had promised him. There were peaceful relations between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty. King Solomon conscripted laborers from all Israel, 30,000 men. He sent them off to Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month, so that they spent one month in Lebanon, two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the forced labor. Solomon had 70,000 carriers and 80,000 scone cutters in the hills, as well as 3,300 foremen who supervised the project and directed the workers. At the king's command, he removed from the quarry large blocks of high-grade stone to provide a foundation of dressed stone for the temple. The craftsmen of Solomon and Hiram and the workers from Byblos cut and prepared the timber and stone for the building of the temple. First several verses we read there were introduced to Hiram. He's the king of Tyre. Hiram was the ruler of Phoenicia, which was a really great, important trading nation at that time. They were, now, these guys, what they were really best known for was their seafaring skills. They had, they had boats, and they covered the trade routes uh, from the eastern Mediterranean, where they were, all through the west, but also from Egypt north to the Syrian coast. So they were kind of the UPS of, of that day, all right? They were sort of the UPS or FedEx of that day. Um, what's interesting about these folks, though, is they had one primary natural resource other than their seafaring skills, and that was timber. Timber from this region in the mountains of Lebanon. This timber was highly valued for sheep, uh, shipbuilding and construction projects, and, and as a result, Hiram ruled over a, a very wealthy nation at that time. Um, but because he and his people depended on trade, when you trade, you need to have relationships. So it would be natural for him to reach out to Solomon and seek a favorable relationship with the two of them, um, you know, because, hey, maybe they could do some business together. So, um, and then, of course, Hiram reminded Solomon that, you know, he and his father had always been on good terms. And so, you know, why don't we just, you know, why don't we keep that going? Okay, why don't we just continue that? Well, Solomon then responds to that offer and that continued relationship by reminding Hiram in his response to him that his father, King David, had always had it in his heart to build a temple for the Lord. But all during his reign, adversaries and different adversities had prevented him from doing that. Additionally, and this was really the important part, God had told David, it's not your job. Right? I think God was probably pleased David had it in his heart. But he said, you know what? I haven't called you to do this, but I'm, calling, I'm going to call your son to do it. The one who reigns after you will be the one to build the temple. 
We know this. In 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 and 13, it says, When your days are over, and this is talking to David, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne uh, of his kingdom forever. So as a result, Solomon was supposed to do this. So the temple would be built in Jerusalem, and by building it in Jerusalem, what that would do is it would result in Jerusalem being not only the political capital of the nation, but obviously, once again, the spiritual head as well. So Solomon tells Hiram that God's timing for building the temple has come. Since God has given him rest, on every side. Wouldn't that be great in life to be able to say, God has given me rest on every side. I have, I mean, just think about it. I have no adversaries. Basically, he's saying, I got no problem. Lord, please let all of us experience the life that Solomon was feeling at that time of no adversary. He had nothing he needed to deal with. Therefore, he had the time, the freedom to put his energies and his resources, because he didn't need to send soldiers off to battle, he could put people to work building the temple. Okay, So Solomon tells him, God's timing, it's come, and now he's going to do it. Here's, here's a really interesting thing to me, though, when you think about it. David had it in his heart to do it. Now, we know that God said it's not your job to do. But the truth of it is, even if David had said, well, I'm just going to do this, he couldn't, because he was always in war. Okay, the, the, the opportunity, the literal opportunity didn't exist. Okay, but, but God said, no, your son's going to do it. Here's the important point for you and me. When God calls you to do something, no matter what all else is going on around, God will create the space. He will create the opportunity for you to do it. God had called Solomon, so what did he do? He created the space. No adversaries, no war, peace. God won't ever call you to do something and then not make it possible for you to do it. So, if God is, so here's why it's important, because if God has called you to do something, no matter how difficult it looks right now, it's either timing or, or us pressing in. But when God calls you to do something, he will create the, the space to do it. If we, just, if we just wait on him and trust him. So verse 5, when Solomon responds back to Hiram, he says, I intend to build it. He doesn't say, I'm thinking about building it. I'm going to try to build it. He says, I intend to build it. He, because what, part of what he's doing is he's confirming what God has put in his heart. And he's saying, look, this isn't just some, some, some good idea I think it would be nice to do for my community. He's saying, I'm fulfilling a call of God. This, this is going to happen. Verse 6 shows us that even though building the temple, though, was a divine calling, it was also going to be a very human undertaking. This is going to take a lot of folks. This is a big job. This was not a small task. Okay? This is not like saying, hey, I'll, you know, I've, I've got it in my heart. I'm going to you know, plant some new shrubs in my yard. I mean, it may be hot, and that might take some work, and I might sweat and get dirty, and I might call a couple of you to come over and help. 
You might say no. <laughs> but, 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 do you, but do you see what I mean? There are some pro- things, some projects, some things that we need to undertake in our lives that, that we trust God, but yet we can sort of get it done. Okay? But this was a task that Solomon, no matter how wise he was, he wasn't big enough or strong enough physically. He could not do this alone. And so this required this very human undertaking. It was going to be a massive number of people needed, but even greater, these massive amounts of building materials to do what he wanted to do. And so now you start to think about something that large, that, that complex, that requiring that many people doing different things and all getting done at the right time and in the right sequence. And, you know, we talk about logistics today, right? You know, getting stuff at the right place at the right time. Uh, those of you in, from the military, you know, they always used to say World War II. My dad, you know, they always said, uh, you know, an, ar- an army moves on its stomach. You know, you can't... One of, one of the biggest challenges I know they had in World War II is getting materials to the right place at the right time. You get troops far enough out ahead of where the supply lines were, and all of a sudden the Jeeps don't have gas because there wasn't a speedway for them to pull into. You had to actually move trucks of gas along. Do you you see what I mean? mean, When you get into large, complex activities, it takes a lot of planning to make it happen and for it to turn out correctly. And so that's what this particular project was going to require as well. I mean, we kind of hear about Solomon building the temple, and we, and for us, it goes from God called him, and he did it. And the next thing, there's a building. We, we don't often stop to think about the process of how it went from, you know, right, the vision God gave him and the actual structure being completed. And that was a big job. So Solomon quickly recognized that his planning requirements uh, would need to include some collaboration, some planning, some cooperation with Hiram because uh, it, he was going to need some of those resources, right? Okay, so now I've got another question for you. This is a tough one in a way, so you have to think just a little bit, okay? But why do some people get along with folks better than others? Why, why do some folks get along better than others? Choice. Choice. Okay. What else? Or let me, I'll even ask you this way. Why are some people hard to get along with? They don't want to cooperate. Right? No matter wh- Have you ever known somebody that it's almost like, it's a beautiful day outside now, right? I say, what, a beautiful day? And they say, well, it might rain. You know, you know, or no, you know what I mean? Or, you know, I, I could say, you know, that's a, that's a, I, your shirt looks blue. And I could say, that's a beautiful blue shirt. You know, you say, well, no, actually it's turquoise. I mean, I mean, there is, I don't know what that, I don't even know if that's a right, maybe that sounds red or something. But, you know, there are just sometimes people that are just, they won't, no matter what position you take, they're just going to take another position. Okay. And, and I mean, but those are people that are hard to get along with. Because what if you really need, I mean, we kind of gave silly examples, but what if, what if you really have a real problem, a real issue, something you really need to work through, and every time you bring something up, they, they, they got a reason why it won't work. They got a reason to want to go a different way, yeah. right? So not a lot gets done. And so, so Solomon wisely understood, though, that when you identify the right partners, to plan and collaborate with, right? This getting along with them. 
Okay, that you can both accomplish far more than either of you could have accomplished on your own. You're, in the end, let's say it a little differently, you'll both be better off. Okay? You, I mean, some people, I think, are just determined in life they're going to win every argument. And they, and they may, but this is the old problem of winning the battle and losing the war. Because some of those people get to spend their whole life alone. Because nobody wants to hang around with them. Right? Because nothing positive, nothing that encouraging, nothing good ever comes from it. It's just one, you know, nasty comment or you know, lack of cooperation after another. So Solomon understood that. And he understood that if he would work with Hiram, they could get a lot done. So, so then Solomon laid out, because somebody, when you need to get something done, somebody has to go first, right? Someone, you know, somebody has to actually offer something up and get the ball rolling. So that's what Solomon did in those verses we read. Solomon lays out an offer to Hiram. He says, you supply me with cedars of Lebanon so I can build my temple. Our men will work together and I will pay your men whatever wages you specify. Okay, so that's kind of like over to you, right? So that, that note goes back to Hiram. Now, let's just notice here, I told you about those cedars of Lebanon, those, the, the timber this guy had. This, this was really a big deal. The cedars of Lebanon were massive trees. They were massive trees. Many scholars call them the most famous trees of antiquity. Yeah, pharaohs from Egypt, as well as kings from all over the known world sought them for their big, massive building projects because they were desirable because of their exceptionally long and strong beams. Okay? You needed those big rafters, you know, those big beams to, to just stretch across large openings, right? That way a temple could be big but without a lot of columns in it, right? You, know, you could have those beams across the roof. So because these trees were so long and you could make large, strong beams out of them, they were very desirable. The other thing that was unique about them was they were highly aromatic. They had a wonderful smell. Okay, and they also, because of the nature of the wood, they possess a great resilience to insects and decay. So they just last a long time. So your, you know, your building doesn't fall down, right? I mean, it's well built. So, uh, so the use of this cedar as a building material actually then became a sign of wealth and luxury. Okay, this was, this, this was in the finest buildings in the in the large things that governments and would do, okay? Here's just one little interesting note to think about. Uh, when God created everything, right, he, he put those cedars of Lebanon right where he did, right? I mean, he built, he, he planted that forest intentionally, right? We would agree with that, okay? Additionally, all of what was now Hiram's kingdom, this area that Hiram had, was within the original boundaries of the promised land that God had marked out for Abraham. The problem was the Israelites never finished doing the project 
the task that God told them to possess the land. They, they did a lot, but they didn't do it all. So they never finished totally possessing the land that God intended them to have. So here we are now, centuries later, with Solomon needing to negotiate with Hiram for something that God actually originally intended him to already have. Good point for us is our best life, our best life is when we actually follow God's plans through to completion. Okay? Uh, when we actually follow God's plans and do everything he calls us to do. Not just the parts that are convenient or we feel like or until we get a little tired. Otherwise, we end up like Solomon, having to negotiate for things that God had just planned to give us. They would have just been there. In verses 7 to 9, Hiram received Solomon's response, and he was pleased. He wrote back to Solomon, but like normally happens, he somewhat modified the terms that, that Solomon had, uh, had proposed. Hey, it's a negotiation, right? Okay, so Solomon, what, what Hiram wrote back was, Solomon was to pay Hiram for the laborers, not the workers directly because Hiram wanted to maintain control of his men and the money. Okay? Okay, so that was it. That was the only difference he asked for, okay? The result was, though, a final agreement that was a blend of both people's positions. Solomon would receive raw materials to build the temple. Well, I'm sorry, I mean, I, and he, he said he would pay his men, but he also said... I want food for my royal court. Yeah, that, I'm sorry, I, I dropped that, okay? And so, so now, uh, that's the final position. So Solomon said, yeah, I will receive raw materials. I need to build the temple in exchange. Hiram receives agricultural products, right? He receives food for his royal household. Interestingly, uh, the Lord... You know, it said in verse 12, and I, I just, every now and then there's a line, you know a, you know, a verse in Scripture that just looks like it might have been out of place in a way, because you've got this, you've got this, this account, right, of Hiram writing to Solomon, welcome to the new job, your dad and I were friends, lest you and I be friends. Solomon says, no problem, but cut me some timbers and, you know, help me build the temple. They negotiate a little. They, they agree on that. And the next thing it says in verse 12 is it says, And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom, just as he had promised. And then it goes on to, to talk about more about the whole deal and the process. And my first thought was, well, why, did, why is that there? I mean, that seems a little out of place. And I thought, well, I think the reason they, that God wanted it restated that God gave him wisdom was, you know, even when people agree on big, complicated matters, it still takes some wisdom to get through it. Because what happens along the way, you hit a few bumps in the road, right? You know, uh, the axe heads break, and you don't get as much timber harvested, and now the supply lines are delayed, and the shipments are late, and people want to know, where's my stuff? 
I mean, the, look, we, we need to understand that even in when things appear to be going well in our lives, we don't want to become lax and forget that even on those best days, that's a blessing from God, and we still need his wisdom in our lives. And I think that was a reminder that it's there to remind us that we need God's wisdom every day. Okay? Uh, yeah, Scripture doesn't, doesn't provide more detail, but I do believe it's got to do with this big enough, complex enough, lasted long enough that, you know, they needed it to get through the bumps in the road. Issues significant enough that could have killed the deal or even led to war between those two were averted because God gave wisdom. Okay? Solomon's situation is just like our lives. Wise planning often requires the need for collaboration. And that often requires some negotiations. And the only negotiated positions, you think about this, the only positions when you come to agreement with someone, you're trying to get them to, to agree with you to do something, the only positions that ever last are the ones where both parties feel like they won. If, 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 you're, if somebody's gonna have a, if someone in the family is gonna have a birthday party, and two people, both people want to have it at their house. No, I'm going to host it. No, I'm going to host it. Okay? You know what? It's going to cause a problem unless you figure out a way to decide who's going to host it, but both people feel like they won. Otherwise, somebody's feelings are hurt. And then they don't help. They do everything they can to, to make it not work. Right? You don't, you don't want people working against you. At the very least, you want them, you know, not is, is just, you know, staying still. But what you really want is for people to feel like they won. And in negotiating, and in business, that's called a win-win strategy. Okay, it's a win-win strategy. And because Solomon won building materials he needed, Hiram won food. Okay, when either side deviates from thinking win-win, and pushes for a I win and you lose, like win-lose, you can find it over and over in life and in maybe your own experience. Anything that starts out as win-lose ends up being lose-lose. It never works. Win-win collaborations always leave both parties, both people, better off than either party would have been even close to achieving on their own without coming to that agreement. Okay, so the final verses tell us about Solomon's need for laborers. Some to quarry large stones, some uh, to move the, that he would use to build the temple's foundation, and others uh, to transport those stones, as well as the timber that Hiram was going to provide. They need to bring it to the building site. These stone cutters and carriers were mostly Canaanites who were still living in Israel. Okay? So we can read the details of that in 2 Chronicles 2, 17 and 18. Solomon took a census of all the foreigners residing in Israel. After the census his father David had taken, there were found to be 153,600. He, so he assigned 70,000 to be carriers, moving stone, moving timber, 80,000 to be stone cutters in the hills, and 3,600 foremen over them to keep the people working. If you add those numbers up, that's 153,600. So he put all the foreigners to work. 
Okay? Massive preparations for the building of the temple had begun. Solomon was a man on a mission. He was fulfilling the call of God. No doubt, he knew this, that his reign as king, at least in these early years, was going to be defined by his fulfilling this sense of God's calling and him building the temple for the name of the Lord his God. Okay, so now, the question as we look at all this for us today is, what can we learn from Solomon's wisdom? And how can we be wise in our own lives and in the planning that we need to do? Well, the first thing we can do is we need to know our strengths. We need to know our own strengths. Why do you need to know your strengths before you undertake a task? What's, why is that important, to know your own strengths? To, to know what you're able to do, right? Yeah, I, I mean, any other thought? Yeah, I mean, if, if the thing you need to do is something that you don't have the skills to do, if you say, well, I'm going to do it anyway, probably won't work out well. Okay, so it, it's important for us to know what we're good at, what we're not good at, right? What we should do, what we should not do. Okay, and, and who we need to have help us. And okay, and so that's exactly right. And so this is to, to understand our own strengths realistically, right? I mean, being honest with ourselves, understanding and assessing our own strengths is, is very helpful as we pursue whatever God has put in our hearts to do, right? Because we say we want to give God our best. Well, our best should be our strengths and, and not us trying to be something that we're not. Okay, so it's critical this if, for us to, under, you know, to understand, if we want to understand what God's called us to do. This is kind of like last week in Pastor Cindy's message when she was talking about making sure you're on the right bus. You know, getting on, okay, this is getting on the right bus. I've got to understand what I can do. Okay, so I'm on the right trip. Okay, look, David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord his God. But, but that wasn't God's plan for David to do it. It was Solomon that he'd actually called Solomon. It was Solomon who had to understand this was a call from God. Therefore, he would have the strength and the ability to do it. Truth is, we haven't all been called to do the same thing, have we? No. And so we shouldn't try to act like we've all been called to do the same thing. We need to know what those things are. And, and what's very encouraging is that we do know that we've all been called to do things. Because God has told us, right, that he has prepared works in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we need to ask for God's wisdom and understanding what things can I delegate to others and what things do I need to do myself if we want to be wise and understand our strengths. So to fully understand and employ your strengths, pray, spend time in God's Word, ask God to make clear to you the things that He's calling you to do. Then, once that's clear, you, go, you get going. You start. Second thing is ask God to provide the needed resources. Determine the resources you're going to need and how you're going to access them. Luke 14, 28 Reminds us, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. 
won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you, if you have enough money to complete it? Think how foolish it is if we set out to do something without giving any thought to planning, any thought to the cost, any thought to the, what it would take to get it done. And we start out, and we tell everybody, hey, I'm going to go do something. And about two weeks later, they say, well, how's it going? Oh, well, I, it all blew up, right? You know, either I didn't know how to do it, I had no money, had no resources. Well, did you talk to anybody? No, I just started. Okay. So we need to ask God to provide the resources. Solomon needed dressed stones for the foundation of the temple. Fortunately, he had stones. He had a quarry. A quarry. So he could send his stone cutters out. But he also needed timber, and he didn't have that. So Hiram had the timber, but Hiram needed food. So Solomon's wisdom helped him negotiate that agreement where they exchanged timber for food. It was a good deal for both sides. They both received something of value. So that, that's using Pastor Cindy's example again about the bus. That's making sure you got people, the other right people on the bus with you, and you got them in the right seats. Right? Okay. So the result, again, was that both men were better off collaborating than either man would have been on their own. And then finally, for you and me, as we approach planning, it goes back to what I was talking about a little while ago about think win-win. Think win-win when you need to plan with other people. Always be fair in your dealings with others. Solomon was fair. Solomon didn't try to say, you know what, I got a bigger army than you do, and by the way, God's blessed me with wisdom, which means I can outsmart you, I can outthink you, so you know what, you just send me the timber for free, buddy, or I'll send the army in, and that'll be all it wrote. I mean, think about it. I mean, Solomon, he could, I mean, right, have taken a different approach. But what Solomon did was he thought, you know what? God has granted me peace on every side. I have no adversaries right now. God is allowing me time to pursue other things than war. Okay, is it, isn't, does, wouldn't it please God then for me to try and maintain the peace that he has given me? This is a gift from God. I should honor it by trying to maintain it. Therefore, Solomon was fair in his dealings with Hiram. He didn't try to get something for nothing. Okay? I mean, it says that in exchange for the timber each year, Solomon provided Hiram with 20,000 cores of wheat. Okay. I looked up all the measurements, and I know last week we heard about cups of flour, and I, I don't know how to think that way. Okay? But, but I, I looked it up, and I found different ways to calculate the measurements. Let me put it... See... Some people would think about cups. Guys think about food. Okay, we think about like actual food. Okay, so the wheat, the 20,000 cores of wheat, based on what I was able to determine, that is enough to bake 30,500 one pound loaves of bread every day for a year. 30,500 one-pound loaves of bread every day for a year. Those folks had a lot of fresh bread. Okay, they love bread. If they didn't, they learned to love bread. Okay, but think about that. That, that wasn't a skimpy amount. 
Okay, that wasn't a skimpy amount. That was a very generous amount. All right, 20,000 baths of olive oil. That's 120,000 gallons of olive oil. That means they could use 350 gallons of olive oil every day. Every day. Not about you. We, we got a little thing of olive oil, kind of like, I don't know, you know, like this, and that lasts, you know, like weeks. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I, all, all I'm saying is what, what Solomon offered was a generous exchange. Obviously then, Hiram was pleased to continue to supply Solomon with the logs, the wood that he required in order to build the temple. I think Solomon knew that God would provide him with all the food he needed. When, when, when his goal was to honor a call from God to build a temple, he didn't try to. He didn't worry about can I make this. He 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 didn't worry. I don't think about anything. But I'll, I think all he was after was how do I? I want to be so fair to this guy, right? It's more important to me. I'd rather be generous to him and have an uninterrupted supply of timber than to have this guy every six months coming back and saying I think we re need to renegotiate. Okay, so look for you and me. Part of wisdom in our lives as we plan, as we face the challenges that we can face. And we face some, right? We face, we face financial challenges, health challenges, relationship challenges, uh, things with our kids or grandkids. I mean, there's, there's challenges. Okay, I want to encourage you, whether you ever thought of it calling it this way or not, but you need to think win-win. How, how can this work out? God, lead me Give me wisdom in thinking this through, in planning my steps, so that everybody wins. You know, everybody wins. Um, don't try to be the person that gets something for nothing. I don't think that honors God. So, and the other thing we can do, and it's not all, you know, sometimes... This, the, word, the story, this account, really, it has like, it's like financial things, right? It's timber and money. You know what? Sometimes we need to give other people to think win-win. Because -win, we just need to treat them with respect. Sometimes it's just how we treat people. It's valuing people in exchange. Do you see what I mean? Sometimes, have you ever known people that really no one ever treated them with respect? And, and all of a sudden, you're treating them with respect? Sometimes just how do you treat the checkout person at the store? A lot of people don't treat them well. You can treat them with respect, right? How do, how do you treat people that come and do something, you know, cut your lawn or do whatever they, you know, come in, a, a plumber that comes to your house? Do you treat them with respect, right? I mean, that's, we have so many opportunities to think like this, to use this same wisdom that, that Solomon did in, in his life, in our own lives. So we demonstrate that we value others by treating them that way, and that's thinking win-win. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's close today this way. Um, we all have problems that need solutions. Some of those decisions we need to make are really important ones. I, I think today, as we close, the question for you, 
uh, and maybe you want to stand with me as we, as we close, is just, if you want to ask God to help you be wise, even in your planning, even in just the decisions you need to make, you say, yep, I want God's wisdom in those to make wise decisions. Just raise your hand. Yeah. So, Lord, today, you've seen our hands. God, you know that our desire is to be wise. Lord, to live our lives in ways that honor and glorify you. Even when the, the deal is complex, difficult, and even, Lord, when initially the other people we need to work with don't seem cooperative. God, help us to seek you because we believe, Lord, that if you've called us to do something, Lord, you'll create the way. And so, Lord, today, we ask you for that wisdom in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Amen.